Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. If you'll take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. We're in a new series called Our King and His Prayer. Uh, you may have seen these uh, bookmarks out on the info desk. Uh, it's got uh, some information about maybe ways to read the Bible to help you understand it. It's got a reading plan on the back so you can know what we're going to be studying when you come here on a Sunday. Um, I hope that it's, a, it's something that can serve you. And what we're going through here in this uh, series in Matthew chapter 6 is we're going to ask Jesus to teach us to pray. That's what he's going to do uh, later in, I believe, verses 5 through 14. He's going to teach us to pray. And I'm really looking forward to going through the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer together. But before we get there, Jesus has a warning. Look at verse 1. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Jesus is giving us a warning. He says, beware. And he says, beware of doing things in front of others in order to be seen by them. So the concern's not doing things in front of others. The concern is what's going on in our heart. He says, beware of doing things in front in order to be seen by others. Then he says, for then you will have no reward from your father who's in heaven. So what Jesus is concerned about here in verse 1 is our heart. He's not so much concerned about what we're doing, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, but he's concerned about the why. Why are we doing this in front of others so that we can be seen? Now, this has always been an issue. People living so that others will see them has always been an issue. People living for the likes, people living for approval has always been an issue, clearly, or Jesus would not have mentioned this 2,000 years ago in a sermon. But today, in our culture, we seem to have perfected this. We seem to have been, uh, we seem to be a people who are very, very prone to live for the likes. We live for the approval of others. We, we fear the disapproval of others. We're a people who love to be liked and applauded. And so we live to be seen and remembered and praised. And Jesus says, beware. And he tells us this warning not to keep something from us, but because he wants something for us. That's what we're going to see in verses 1 through 4 today. So I'm going to read Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into what God's Word has for us this morning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray together. Father, we come to your word today to hear wonderful things from it. So Lord, we need you to give us eyes to see. We need you to give us ears to hear. 
We need you to give us hearts that are receptive, particularly uh, around this topic in verses two through four about giving and money. Lord, our, our hearts can get really, really weird about that. So Lord, would you give us hearts to hear what your word says uh, and, and hearts that want to follow what your word says. So Lord, I pray, uh, you know every heart listening to this, you know every story. And so Holy Spirit, would you preach a better sermon than I've prepared today? We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Now, some context. Okay, first, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. In Matthew 5, verse 1, it says that Jesus sees the crowd, and then he goes up on a mountain, and his disciples come to him. So he is speaking to followers, uh, his followers here. Second thing we need to see is that Jesus assumes that our personal faith will be lived out in our public lives. Jesus is assuming that his disciples will live out their personal faith in their public lives. So there's no such thing as a private faith. Jesus assumes his disciples will live out their personal faith with their private lives. That's what practice your righteousness means. And he's going to talk about three ways, giving, praying, and fasting here in Matthew 6. Now, he's already commanded this in Matthew 5, 16. He says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So he's commanded his disciples, live in such a way that people see. Now, once they see, the goal is that they would glorify our Father who's in heaven. That's the goal there. And so Jesus assumes our personal faith will have public expression. Now, what he's getting at, though, in this warning, in one in verse 1 specifically, is not if our personal faith has public expression, but why. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we letting our light shine? Is it so that people will see our works and glorify God, or is it so people will see our works and glorify us? And so Jesus is going to hold out kind of two ways to serve here, two ways to let your light shine before others. Uh, The first is serving to be seen by others. The second is serving to be seen by God. Let's start with serving to be seen by others. Look at verse 1. Beware. That's a warning. He says, beware of what? Of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. So the problem is not practicing your righteousness before others. The problem is a a matter of the heart. It's practicing your righteousness in order to be seen. That's the concern. Now, in the context of this passage, there are three things he's going to talk about. He talks about giving in verses 2 through 4. talks about prayer in 5 through 14. He talks about fasting in verses 16 through 18. And his concern is not what we're doing, but why we're doing it. He says in verses two through four that uh, there are people who blow trumpets when they give. He says in verse five that there are people who stand on the street corners and, and make a, a big scene when they pray. In verse 16, he says that there are people who look like a victim when they fast. And all of this, Jesus says, is so that they can be seen by others. And Jesus is warning us not to do that. Why? There's two reasons. First, because if you do this, in verses 2, 5, and 16, 
If you do this, you have your reward. Okay? Look at verse 2. It says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So if you're living to be seen and you're seen, congratulations. You've got your reward. And the reward you have is temporary praise. Some people might see you. Some people might approve you. Some people might applaud you. You've got temporary praise from temporary people. That's your reward, Jesus says. And that's why he's warning us, saying, look, don't do this because all you're going to get is temporary praise from temporary people. It's a praise that does not last. The temporary praise from temporary people lasts as long as their memory. It's temporary, Jesus says, and you've received it. The second reason that he says, beware, don't do this in order to be seen. The second reason is that if you do this, you have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Look at verse 1. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Now, that should, that should cause our breath to catch for a minute. You know, like your breath catches when you drop your phone in the lake, right? Or, or um, when, when something surprises you, or when, when you're just um, shocked by bad news. Like, th- this should catch us. There's a reward out there. It's from our Father who's in heaven, And if we live to be seen by others, we will not get that. We should be just caught by that for a minute. You'll get the temporary praise of temporary people, but you will not get the eternal reward that our eternal Father has to give us. You've left something on the table, Jesus is saying. Now, in all three of these sections, in giving, it says, when you give in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you. With prayer, when you pray in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you. With fasting, your father who sees in secret will reward you. And so Jesus' warning is, if you do it to be seen by others, you get what you wanted. It's temporary praise from temporary people who, by the way, are looking from temporary, looking for more praise from other temporary people. It's like two ticks and no dog. You're, you're looking for something from people that have nothing to give you. And you don't get this eternal reward that God has for those who serve in secret or who serve in a way that's not to be seen by other people. And so Jesus is saying, look, it's a bad trade. Temporary versus eternal, it's a bad trade, he says. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't serve. Jesus is assuming that his followers' personal faith will have a public expression. He's assuming that. That's why he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. He's assuming that our personal faith will have a public expression. And so Jesus wants to show us how we are to serve. And we serve not to be seen by others, but to be seen by God. He wants us to be, He wants us to serve so that we will be seen not by others, but by God. So the issue is not that we're serving. The issue is our audience. 
Look at verse two. It says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Notice uh, this word hypocrites. It shows up in verse two, verse five, verse 16. This is a word taken from the theater. And uh, in that day, they didn't have CGI. They didn't have complex makeup. They had masks that they would put on. And so if this person was playing a character, they would hold a mask in front of their face. Uh, so that they could portray a character to the audience they knew themselves not to be. And so when we talk about hypocrites today, we really, we use the word wrong. When we say somebody's a hypocrite, we, what we, what we kind of use that word for is that person knows what to do and doesn't do it. Well, that's not a hypocrite. That's a sinner. A hypocrite is someone who tries to portray something to the world they know themselves not to be. That's a hypocrite. You're portraying something to the world that you know yourself not to be. And Jesus calls these people in verse 2, 5, and 16 hypocrites because they're, they're trying to portray something to the world that they know themselves not to be. They're living to be seen by others rather than being seen by God. They're blowing trumpets. They're making a scene. They're seeking praise. And again, this chilling truth in verse 2, they have received their reward. And so this hypocritical giving of sounding trumpets when you give, whether that's in the synagogue, like in the context of a faith community, or in the street, like you're giving to some sort of charity outside the context of God's people. When you're, when you're making a scene and blowing trumpets so that people will see you, Jesus says, congratulations, you've got temporary praise from temporary people. But then Jesus calls us to something more. He calls us to faithful giving in verses 3 and 4. Look at verse 3. He says, but when you give, notice it's an assumption that you will. It's an assumption that God's people will give. He says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, that's impossible. Okay, It's impossible for your left hand to not know what your right hand is doing unless your hand falls asleep. One time when I was in high school, I woke up and there was a hand on my face right here. And I had no idea whose it was. I started freaking out because my hand was asleep and I couldn't feel it. And I tried to move it off my hand. It wouldn't move, right? So I guess that's the only way like your left hand might not know what your right hand is doing. But Jesus' point here is that our giving should be in secret even to us at some level. Even to us. And what he's getting at is we shouldn't like think about our giving in terms of what we've given or how generous we've been, we shouldn't like contemplate that for ourselves. We should just be faithful and give and trust God with that. So what he's saying is, look, don't make a show to the world. Don't make a show to yourself. That's what he's saying. Now, there's a man named Randy Elkhorn who's written a lot about finances and possessions. I would encourage you to read everything he's written about money. I like Dave Ramsey. I love Randy Alcorn. I would encourage you to read what he has written. He says this about this passage. He says this. So what's Christ's point? He says, do your giving quietly and unobtrusively. This is what he says about public giving. Don't cough loudly just as you're giving. Don't slam dunk your offering in the plate or in the box. Just drop your check in the offering or send it in the mail without drawing attention to yourself. Fold the check, seal the envelope, give in a spirit of humility 
and simplicity as an act of worship. Don't give in order to get your name on some list. Then he says this, and I think this is fascinating. Don't give in a spirit of self-congratulation. Don't, don't dwell on your gift, fixating on it, building a mental shrine to yourself. And did you see how generous I was? I bet that's an awesome gift. You know, don't, don't do that, he says. In other words, don't make a big production out of it either in view of others or in the privacy of your own heart. So Jesus warns his followers about giving to be seen. If you give to be seen, you've got temporary reward from temporary, of temporary praise from temporary people. If you give in secret, you get an eternal reward from your eternal father. But I also want you to notice that he assumes that his followers are going to be generous with their finances. That's assumed. And it's rooted in a principle throughout the Bible. And that principle is this, that God's people fund God's mission with God's resources. I'm not going to argue with you about a percentage. I'm not going to argue with you about how much you should give. But the principle throughout all the Bible is that God's people fund God's mission with God's resources. It's God's people, those who have been saved by Jesus, those who are made part of his family, those who belong to God. They, they fund God's mission in the world through the local church and other ways. We, we fund what God is doing in the world with God's resources. What we need to remember as followers of Jesus is we don't have a dollar that belongs to us. We have a dollar that has been uh, granted to us to steward. Every dollar you have is God's money that he's called you to steward. And his, the principle throughout all the Bible is that God's people fund God's mission with God's resources. And that, that drives how we think and talk about giving here at our church. And so you've noticed, now congratulations, you came on the one Sunday in the year that we've talked about giving. Okay, We don't talk about giving a whole lot here at our church, because, unless it comes up in the passage as it has today. Uh, we talk a lot about it at Next Steps because our members understand that God's people fund God's mission with God's resources. And if you're going to call Exodus home, that's going to be you. You're, um, our members agree to that. I remember we talk about giving regularly, sacrificially, and joyfully. And that goes to fund God's mission here. Things like this building that we get to occupy. Things like the equipment for last Sunday for Easter. Things like our staff where they can serve Jesus by serving us here at our church. Supplies that our kids leaders need. All of When, when God's people fund God's mission here, it goes to things like that. And then because we don't want to be a container for God's money, but a conduit of it. We don't want to be a container for God's resources, but a conduit of it. Uh, we give away a lot. 12% of everything that comes in goes out to fund God's mission in the world. We are, man, I am so excited about the amount of money we were able to give away last year. We gave away more last, thanks be to God, we gave away more last year than we took in the first two of our church's history. Man, I'm so, I'm so excited about that because we're a part of God's mission in the world because of your faithfulness in giving. And so I just want to celebrate two things real quick. I want to celebrate God's grace in your generosity. If you call Exodus home, if you give regularly, sacrificially, and joyfully, I just want to celebrate God's grace displayed in that. Second thing I want to celebrate is Pastor Ben Hirsch and his leadership, and how he leads us to steward the resources that God has granted to us. He's a gift to us. And it is a joy to see how God's people fund God's mission with God's resources. Jesus assumes that his followers are going to give. 
He assumes that. And then finally, notice what happens in verse 4. So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. He says your Father sees. He sees in secret. He rewards. An eternal reward from an eternal Father. Now, so Jesus has two concerns for his followers here. His first concern is that they not serve to be seen by other people. And he says, look, if, you've, if, you've, if you're doing that, you've received everything you're going to get. You get temporary praise from temporary people. And he, what he wants for us is that we would serve in such a way that, that we would not be seen, but that God would be seen and that God would see. And when God sees, it says he rewards So how do we apply this? How do we apply this today? Just one question. Just one question. That's this. What what reward are you living for? What reward are you living for? You got two options here. Temporary praise from temporary people or an eternal reward from your eternal father. Now, um, when I say this, I'm not talking about going to heaven. Okay? This is not some way to merit being in the family of God by giving, fasting, praying, because he's already your father in this passage. And Jesus is assuming that you have already placed your faith and hope in Jesus. God is our father. Jesus is our brother. We've been forgiven and made part of his family. There's an eternal reward that's even bigger than that. And Jesus wants us to have it. And so what reward are you living for? Everyone in the world is living for one of them, and you cannot live for both at the same time. You cannot. Jesus says that in verse 1. He says, uh, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. You cannot live for both. You will live for one or the other, either the temporary praise of temporary people or this eternal reward from our eternal Father. So which one's it going to be? You, you may live for the temporary praise of temporary people. That might look like approval. It might look like achievement or accolades or the accumulation of wealth. And I want to remind you, all of that's temporary. The mob is fickle. The approval of people will be taken from you in a moment if that's what you're living for. It just doesn't last. And this is a warning that Jesus gives to his disciples. So none of us are immune from this. Every single one of us could find ourselves living for the temporary praise of temporary people. And Jesus offers us something greater. He offers us an eternal reward from our eternal Father. Which one are you going to live for? Now, one of the questions, because we kind of know what temporary praise feels like, one of the questions is, well, what is the reward? And to be honest, Jesus doesn't tell us a whole lot about it. He just says, and your father who sees in secret will, not might, will reward you. We don't get a lot of information there about what it is, but we get, we get enough. First, I want us to see it's a reminder that God's our Father. 
And listen, that's not the reward, but if that was all the reward, it would be enough. That though we have sinned and fallen short of his glory, though we've rebelled against him, God, our Father, loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die so that we could belong to him. That's a reward. It's a good one. We get to be part of God's family. But that's not what the reward is. Because he says, your father, he's already your father. He's going to see in secret and reward you, he says. And we get that reminder that your father, who's already forgiven you, will reward you. But we don't know what the reward is. And so we're left with this reminder that it's coming from our father who's in heaven and that he will reward us. And so what we know about God will tell us what we know about the reward. What we know about God will tell us what we know about the reward. And we, we need to know, can we trust him? If we give up temporary praise for this eternal reward, will it really be a good trade? When I was 11, my mom remarried, married my stepdad. Um, they've been married since then, coming up on, I guess, 37 years now. Um, and when uh, shortly after they married, uh, he took me to a friend's house to work on her kitchen. Worked on their kitchen floor all morning, no air conditioning, just awful. Middle of July, crazy, crazy hot Mississippi, okay? At the end of the day, this lady gave me $10, which when I was 11, man, $10 was money. I had it spent before we got to the car. Like I had a plan. I knew what I was going to buy. I was excited. So we get in the car. We start going home. And uh, my stepdad, and I, I'd known him for, you know, not a long time. My stepdad looks at me and says, hey, uh, I saw she gave you some money. I said, yep. She said, why, he said, why don't you give it to me? I said, not a chance. This is my money. He said, no, 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 just trust me. Just give me the money. And out of compliance, not trust, out of compliance, <laughs> I gave him the $10, and he gives me back a 20. What we know about God will determine how we view that reward. And Jesus tells us some more about our God in Matthew 7. He says this, Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts, good things to those who ask him? How much more, Jesus says. How much more? Like if, if our Father has already forgiven us, how much more could he give? He's already solved our biggest problem. Then in Ephesians 2, last week we at Easter... We read from this passage, and I was struck by one part of it. Paul writes this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that... Now that so that is based on all he's just done and said about God's character, God being rich in mercy, made us alive, saved us, raised us, seated us in the heavenlies, so that, it's for the purpose of the rest of the verse, so that in the coming ages, that's now and into all eternity, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness 
toward us in Christ Jesus. That word immeasurable means you cannot measure it. It's so vast. His grace is so vast. And he's going to show off his immeasurable grace by being kind to us for all eternity. And if that's who he is, then can you imagine what this reward is? If that's what our eternal father is like, can you imagine what this eternal reward is like? And so we can live for the temporary praise of temporary people, or we can live for the eternal reward of our eternal father. But you got to pick one. You can't live for both. You cannot live for both. So the question then is, what reward are you living for? What reward are you living for? Temporary praise of temporary people or an eternal reward from our eternal Father? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your kindness to us that we get to experience throughout all eternity because of our faith in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we struggle, like we all, every one of us struggle for the approval of others. Every one of us struggle to, uh, for the temporary praise of temporary people. Every one of us feel the gravitational pull of that. Lord, I pray that you'd give our hearts eyes to see the beauty of the eternal reward that you offer. That our hearts would see the beauty of your character, the beauty of your grace, the beauty of your kindness, that we would see that we would see your, your great love for us and that we would trust you with whatever that reward is so much that we would serve in a way that we would not be seen by others but seen by you. That people would see what we do and glorify you, but we would not live for their praise. We would live for, for closeness to you and the reward that you give when we serve, when we give, pray, and fast in secret. Help us, Lord. Help us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.